there's no confetti, there's no balloons, but this is a very special moment for the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. We'll be celebrating our 100th episode shortly uh, with uh, our next guest. And it's been a fantastic journey. You know, it's uh, starting from very humble uh, roots. <laughs> uh, and we've had just amazing guests uh, over, over these past 100 episodes. And, and I'm looking really forward to the uh, next 100 as well. Uh, but Christian and I are very grateful to each and every one of our loyal listeners and viewers uh, for spending time with us each and every week. Um, uh, it's just a, a labor of love. And we're really uh, humbled in, uh, by the opportunity to continually provide amazing content, amazing guests um, uh, to uh, the podcast each and every week. But um, enough of my ramblings. I'd really like to hear from Christian <laughs> in terms of sort of your views. What, what, what are your reflections when you think about 100 episodes? Um, what immediately comes to your mind? Yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, we were doing some videos before and then we became a video podcast. It was called Cyber Monday. Then we changed it to Cybersecurity Matters. And uh, it's just been a, a fun journey of guests that are going to be repeat guests. Uh, some amazing powerhouses in business, marketing, uh, cybersecurity. We try to mix it up a little bit. Uh, we always try to keep it, you know, in layman's terms so that it's not overly technical. So it's been super fun. We've been recording some more episodes and we have some awesome guests ahead. And we have uh, for our 100th episode, a very special guest. Mm-hmm. And Dominic's going to tell you who that is. Uh, we're very, very uh, fortunate to have, um, I think, one of the best ladies in cybersecurity, uh, Joanna Baum from S3 Consulting, uh, just an incredible um, luminary when it comes to, to cybersecurity um, and the discussion with her, I think it's just gonna be out of this world. So without further ado, enjoy episode 100 with Joanna. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another fantastic edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> I'm your co-host, Don Vogel, and joining me as always is Mr. Interruption himself, Christian <laughs> Redshaw. Christian, how are you doing today? You know what? I'm tired of the same old thing. we gotta, <laughs> we got to vary it a little bit here. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm well. Sure. I'm here to throw you off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, after you compose yourself, tell us. Take a deep breath. Who is our guest today? Ah, yeah, that I uh, do feel That's more composed. Question. That is the key question of the uh, of the minute. Uh, joining us today is Johanna Baum. She is the president and CEO of S3 Consulting, and she hails from down south in Atlanta, Georgia. And she is a cybersecurity person, so we're going to talk about cybersecurity. Absolutely. It's going to be a fantastic conversation, so stay tuned. Johanna from Atlanta, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome, awesome. Love your background, by the way. It's looking uh, looking lovely. <laughs> Definitely you. rates in the in the top three yeah. <laughs> as far as past episodes go. Fantastic. <laughs> Job well done. <laughs> um, so I wanted to get into you know get to know you and get into your career story a little bit. Mm-hmm. How did you find your way into cybersecurity in the first place? So I initially got just excited about tech and computers for my parents. My father uh, asked me to help him rebuild a computer when I was really young. Uh, And I had so much fun doing that with him, just trying to get into the nuts and bolts of a machine and figure out what it did and how it could do so much. So I really started there with my parents at a really young age. Uh, And in middle school, I think we had an option of either doing a typing class 
or you know, home ec or computer coding, which seemed like a really interesting selection. So I, I took the coding class, which was very unusual. And I was the only girl in there, but I had so much fun. It just kind of set me on a good path. So, and the, you know, as I aged and then started out into the working world and, you know, I came out with an education in accounting, you know, the, the ever motivator as a graduate with some debt uh, would be money. <laughs> <So> <laughs> there was a scarce skills bonus at the firm that I was in if you went into security and it was already naturally part of my trajectory. So I'd come out with an information systems degree and it seemed like the perfect, the perfect combination. So there we have definitely it. a money maker for you. That's right? good. <laughs> <laughs> Work out well. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I know you and I have uh, talked about this uh, before, and you know, this is a question I know Christian normally asks, but I'll, I'll ask it. When we're talking about you know, small business owners or business executives, how do we compel them to understand why cybersecurity should matter and does matter in, in, the, you know, in, in the modern world? You know, I've heard a couple of your guests all kind of refer to the same things, which is great because we all have, I think, a similar mindset to this. But um, I think it was Naomi who called them the fish, the yes. tasty fish, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so it, it really doesn't matter how large you are. You know, right now, as data is such a commodity, you know, that data is instrumental for you to be successful, whether you're a small, you know, medium, large size organization. So for them not to pay attention to protecting that data, you know, and what everything is really based on now is all that information. It's important to every size organization. So why should it matter as that small and medium-sized business? I mean, losing control over that most important and critical asset to them, losing control over something that their clients feel very personal and feel very violated when that information is, you know, left and moved out into the ecosphere, that that just doesn't resonate with them. And now with as much you know, activism and hacktivism that's occurring, as soon as that ends up on the internet, it ends up in social, for a small business, that could be the end of their business. So not caring about such a small thing for them, like protecting that information, protecting their website, protecting their distribution, all of that comes back to how they're managing their supply chain, their data access to information, and it's critical for any size organization. I mean, an, an extension of that too, um, I mean, maybe dipping into sort of um, myths and misperceptions that uh, permeate to this day. Are you about to steal another one of my questions? Yes, I am. <laughs> Are you stealing all of his thunder this early? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're four episodes in and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm losing brain power, but <laughs> the, 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 what I wanted to ask is again, that, that a lot of you know, non-technical um, people, I mean, heck, I guess there's some technical people as well, but let's say non-technical business executives will still see cybersecurity as an IT issue. Oh, you know, the IT guy is going to deal with that. Our IT team deals with that. Or Sal, my brother-in-law, he's going to deal with that. He's the IT guy here. Um, how do we keep moving past that, that it's seen as a true business risk, like operational or personnel risk, rather than getting lumped in the sort of the technical domain? So one of the things that we've really built our organization you know, on at S3 is really focusing on the business foundation. So you've got operational objectives, you've got critical components that you're looking at to drive revenue. All of that is enabled with technology. So, you know, we talk about, you know, IT being that enabler, 
we're enabling and facilitating the incoming revenue for whatever a business is, is you know, in business to do. So if that now is an IT only function, how are we as IT stewards of the organization supposed to be fully responsible for an entire organization? And if everybody has access throughout their operations to information, to providing access to that information, approving that information, the risk associated with granting that, isn't it everybody's responsibility to be a steward for the organization? And that's what we talk about to them, to executives. Look, this isn't IT only. You can't carve that out just for the, the tech folks or Sal, your cousin, who's doing you know, IT for the company part-time who really just went to you know, one class in night school. No, I mean, it, it is everyone's responsibility. If you get a check from that company, so you're an internal employee, you're, whether you're a third party, a contractor, you know, contingent worker, part-time for the holidays, if you get money paid from that organization, you are a steward and responsible for protecting that information that you have access to. So that makes it everybody's responsibility. Johanna, I'm glad you mentioned money because that's my next question for there you. There you go. Hey, you got one in. Yes, did. <laughs> he didn't take them all. This might be my last one, so I'm going to make it you good. You got to make it a good one. <laughs> so talking to small and medium-sized business leaders, we're talking the ROI of cybersecurity. In your approach, when you're talking to companies, when you're talking to your clients, how do you measure that in terms of, okay, we're reducing cyber risk, we're managing it better. How do you have that conversation with them? So the risk of doing nothing is very high right now. I mean, it's significant. So you do nothing. You hand this over to Sal, our, our cousin who's managing IT, who sometimes doesn't come in. He doesn't really know about authentication. He really doesn't know what's important to the business and protecting your payment data that you're processing through the organization's website. Now all that information is out on the web. As a smaller, medium-sized business, how long does it take? What's the impact of that? And how quickly are you now not operational? And how quickly is all of that goodwill that you have to customers, all of that trust completely eroded for, again, for your entire ecosystem of stakeholders very quickly. So by not protecting that, I mean, the risk is extremely high by not investing. And even if it's just those small steps, you know, I know, again, I think it was Alan who was talking about this on one of your previous episodes too, was talking about, look, just start with multi-factor. If that's all you can think about from a small, medium-sized business, okay, I just at least want to protect who has access and at least verify by one additional mechanism, if not two. At least that way, you're starting to protect that layer of information and access to data within your operations. Right. So you're going down a road that I was hoping that we could get to, which is, Okay, just start with that. Um, what would you say are the ABCs of a company that hasn't done anything? What would you say um, in terms of uh, putting the basics in place and how a company should approach cybersecurity at the front end? So one of the biggest things that we talk to clients about is really just understanding your business and your landscape. So you, you don't want to throw money at protecting everything. Not everything is worth protecting. I mean, I don't want to put a ton of money to protecting you know, where we're storing office supplies. 
But I do if I'm, you know, if that is the only asset that I have and I'm an office supply company, I clearly want to protect my office supplies. Yeah. So, Dominic refers to that as the Miley Cyrus MP3. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't need to have such strong protection. Right yes. Yeah, I need all of the protection right there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that that is understanding your landscape, what that high value information asset is. What is that catalog of information? Where does it lie and where is it critical for me to operate? So if I'm looking, and again, this is more on the strategic side, if I'm looking to an organization for, you know, what is, where does your risk lie? Where is that footprint that I need to protect? And I really need to invest the most amount of effort, money, you know, and time and resources into protecting that. That's where that starting step should be. Not just the blast of I'm going to, you know, try to just do some steps and protect everything. Love that. Uh, and taking this a bit further, maybe for larger companies where there's a board of directors at, at, at play, um, what what steps would you take to make sure that there's an engaged board when it comes to making sure that they are exerting the right governance and oversight when it comes to cybersecurity? I mean, I know you, you see sometimes boards well they'll, they'll just check in on cybersecurity once a year or once a quarter, and it's sort of like a rubber stamp kind of thing. Um, how, how do you? take that leap and make sure that the board is truly engaged and not just, like I said, sort of rubber stamping what the security manager is telling them. Yeah. And I think too often they see, oh, well, I did get a report. So I know Sal is still doing something, you know, not, well, I really read it and internalized it. I understood it. I think there's a big gap between them reading and comprehending. So a lot of times when we talk to boards, it's really just giving them a baseline understanding of what cyber is, the various facets of it, you know, between regulatory compliance, between you know, what they're trying to, again, risk mitigate just from their operational standpoint and managing that security posture, what they're willing to accept. There's really a lack of understanding, I think, at all these different levels for what that means. So raising the education, the security awareness, just so they understand what should I be asking about? What questions should I be concerned about? What threat levels, where does that risk lie? It makes them more, I don't want to say informed buyers, but it makes them more informed, again, stewards for the organization. That board is operating more effectively to help guide and protect the organization. So getting that information level up so they know where to ask good questions and then helping the you know the senior leadership and managers under that to be able to deploy that solution. I think it it definitely helps the organization as a whole. I, I love that theme of you know empowering them to ask the right questions. You know, and and maybe on that same token, and now I'm somewhat going back to maybe smaller organizations that rely on external IT managed service providers. Right, um, many of them have been on the same contract with them for years and they're just going through the motions aren't we're not really sure what security they're getting or not getting or they just assume the IT service provider covers everything all things cybersecurity what in your mind would be one or two key questions that a small business owner should be asking an IT managed service provider to make sure that you know, that provider is looking at things uh, properly from a security perspective so I would definitely caution those small business owners, small and medium, and even large, 
One of the things that I think they should note first is just because you've moved that to managed services or you've got a third party that's now supporting that IT function. And I feel bad now because we just keep referencing your cousin, Sal, who I know is probably not your cousin. <laughs> so if anybody's listening named Sal. He's on the promise, Italian side. Yeah, <laughs> somebody's going to really upset with me. But just because you've outsourced that or sent it to a third party or Sal is managing it for you, you haven't outsourced the risk to that. You still own that. And that is a big nuance that I, I don't think people necessarily comprehend, especially from the small and medium-sized business. They feel that if they put that away, well, that's not in my sphere anymore. I, I gave it to somebody else. You, you still own the risk to that. So asking those questions is critical. Okay, help me understand what you are providing for me and what you're not. And I think though they typically will just listen to, okay, what is going to be serviced for me? And then not thinking about, okay, well, there's gaps here that I'm going to need to fill in. I don't want to step into that when I've got an issue and realize nobody's hands or eyes were on it. So making sure you know not just what's covered, what isn't covered. And from an exposure standpoint with your insurance policy, you know, if you've got cyber insurance, you've got general liability, you've got all these different coverages that you think might kick in, they won't if any of these, from a cyber standpoint, you're not meeting the toll gates to comply with that insurance coverage. So again, I've moved risk over. I don't have to worry about it. Oh, but you do. And if that third party isn't also compliant, well, now you've lost the ability to use a claim for your policy too. So two very small things, but I think as a small business, they kind of rely on outsourcing and removing risk. And if there's a problem, that's okay. Insurance will cover it. And (laughs) now you're depending on two things that are wildly inaccurate. So (laughs) Very well put. So the next question is mine. (laughs) Um, so Johanna, I was digging into your past a little bit in a good way. And, uh, were you cyber stalking me? (laughs) Yes, pretty much. But no, it's more of the origins of S3 and how you got that first, uh, big client. Cause sometimes it's a bit of a struggle of somebody, you know, picking the brains, so to speak, for uh, to get some cybersecurity help without paying for it. Um, can you tell that uh, story about that client that you that ended up, you know, it wasn't a client and you were helping them, not charging them, uh, how that conversation went and, and how that kind of started to put you on the map? Yeah. And it's, it is funny. So we were in business for a couple of years and had several clients, but this was this was a, lar- a large one. Uh, and I, I remember thinking, I've gone way out on a limb here. I am way too far with free services, but it was really just a dialogue. And I think in our space, in professional services, consulting, advisory, you know, all of these are words for you know, us really lending our expertise, our time. We're supporting a client by helping them answer questions, educate you know, again, fill the gap for a space that they don't have internally or don't have the knowledge and need some help. It's not something I think that happens all that often anymore. People are just either telling you what you want to hear or just, you know, their repositories for reselling. Hey, I've got new product. I want to give it to you. I'll put it in and then leave. So we've always talked about that. That's not what we do. We're not going to drop in technology and run away. It's about that, you know, person to person, that advisory, really having that connection but I thought, well, even I've gone too far here. We've spent so mm-hmm. much time like communicating. I really I saw know, that. Yeah, i like, we're, we're really knee deep here and we've given a lot away, but I just feel like that they really needed it. Yeah, and it, at the end, I, I didn't know that they were in the middle of that RFP process. And that was our, you know, that was our presentation that we had no idea about. 
and yeah, they, we're, we're still out there now. They are still client many. I mean, it's been over a decade at this point. So. That's wow. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, that, that's an awesome origin story. Um, I, I have one more question and Christian can, uh, wrap it up with, with, with final question. Um, moving into a slightly different area, um, but still very, very important. So in, in the field of cybersecurity, um, I mean, it is still a very male dominated uh, industry and this industry still struggles to do true diversity and inclusion mm -hmm. and retention, uh, properly. Um, Talk to me from your viewpoint in terms of where the industry has come and what it still needs to do to truly be a, a diverse and inclusive environment. Yeah, I mean, you know, looking back on a career in security and starting in, you know, compliance and audit and continuing to move through tech, you know, I've definitely seen that there are more women in this industry, which is amazing. It's fantastic. I definitely think there are not enough in leadership positions, there are definitely even fewer as you get higher up as either CEOs or C-levels. Definitely on the founder side, I mean, it's it's very small. So, you know, I, I love to promote that and make sure that I'm talking about it very, very loudly. Um, but I think from an organizational standpoint, I mean, setting a company up, providing those HR policies, providing an environment that isn't just talking about the topic, but doing something internally to recruit, to keep and retain talent, to grow skills where you know women are coming either back into industry after a while and really trying to keep them here. Because this exodus right now, especially with you know pandemic and you know household issues, I think you know this has been such a problem for all the progress that we made through the last couple of years. I feel like it's just eroded in in monumental strides, which is really disappointing. So for companies looking to increase that, either inclusion, diversity, getting women, in just getting that diversity of thought and skills, they have to set up companies that are really looking at that from a holistic standpoint. What are you, what are you doing to support your employees? How are you keeping them there and truly engaging with them in that transparent dialogue about what does this mean to you? How can I keep you? What programs do you need? to feel like you can still operate here and be successful. And then open up those opportunities for you know, all types to really apply. So for us, that's recruiting at different types of places, different adjacent skills, different parts of the community, not the same types of colleges. You know, anywhere is really a good place for you to try to get people in and, and really keep them in the environment. But you know, it, it's it's not only tough, but I still see that kind of old guard that is just not interested in people like me at the table, and that's disappointing. But I can't I can't change that overnight. But I'm going to keep screaming about it until it well, starts moving. I, I've always appreciated your your advocacy in that area because I mean, there, there's still great gender inequity in, in in the field. I mean, like you said, there's still a lot of an old guard of sorts where it's, um, you know, I, I even still see this where, you know, if there's a junior security analyst who happens to be a woman and she's giving her thoughts, I've been in a client environment where the director of infrastructure says, no, no, she's wrong. Don't listen to her. Right. But if that was a man saying that he would have let it go. Uh, he wouldn't have, uh, fine off the handle like that, you know, so it, it's, we, we still see it f far too much, but I think it's important. Like you said there, we keep talking about it. We keep fighting the good fight and just trying to move that needle forward. But, um, like you said, it, it requires all of us to, to stand up to make that change. Yes. I mean, I, I had it yesterday. It happens for us frequent, far too frequently. But the more that everyone can have a conversation about it and really try to shed some light on it and, and improve, I think the better. So.
I will always be invested in. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the approach that you've taken, which is entrepreneurship and starting a company. That's, I think, a massive equalizer for all of us because we let the market decide, right? Yeah, we can choose yeah. who we want to work with and who is our client and vice versa. And I think that's a big win. Thank you. And that was our approach. We wanted, I didn't see this for myself. I knew that my path had ended because there wasn't anybody that looked like me. And as much as I continued to fight, I, there's only so much you can fight when I knew there was no runway and it was a great career, but I had to step out and do something different so that I could promote things like this and create a company that supported it and an approach to clients that was one that I thought was winnable. 16 years later next week. That's I feel like awesome. we're doing oh, wow. it. Congratulations. <laughs> I feel like we're doing the right thing, so I'll keep going. <laughs> that is so cool, so cool. So Dominic's been gracious enough to give me the last question here, surprisingly, <laughs> uh, but I'll take it. All right. So back under the heading of the ROI of cybersecurity, mm -hmm. security by design versus retroactively bolting it on, talking about the difference in approaches and the costs. What are your thoughts around that? I hate to give you the consulting. It depends. <laughs> you know, it's case by case. Okay, that's a good enough answer. That's it is. I mean, it, it really does depend. I mean, I know I hear a lot of people say, you know, pay me now or pay me twice later. You know, it's you definitely a we lot <laughs> easier to do it on the front end than to clean up a hot mess and, you know, not just cleaning up the security mess, but. Now, what do we do for social media? What do communications look like? You know, what has that done again to your image and your, you know, your capital across the industry? So you can take a reputational hit pretty quickly, which is way more damage than if you would have just answered the question in the first place. This episode may have been a long time coming, but boy, did it deliver. Like that was an absolutely awesome conversation. Uh, Chris and I absolutely loved it. And I know our viewers, viewers and listeners are going to love it as well. Um, and I'm just noticing the sign behind you too about your craziest showing. That's a fantastic <laughs> sign. <laughs> I, I need to get me one of those. <laughs> I will send one to you. <laughs> <laughs> My wife can uh, definitely advocate for that being in my office, but th thank you again so much for carving time out of your busy day to join Christian and I. We really, really yeah. appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you guys both for being such a great advocates, not just for women in STEM, but for women in cyber. And you know, the, the podcast is great. I'm just happy to be a part of it. So thank you both. Awesome. You're the best. Thank you. Uh, Christian and I will be right back to wrap up today's episode. Uh, Joanna is, <laughs> that was just an amazing conversation. You can tell her level of intelligence around cybersecurity is in the Absolutely. top echelon. Like that was really, really great conversation. I just felt like she was a third host on the show. That's how much uh, of a synergy there was there with her. Uh, well, if we ever branch out and have a third third co-host, she's definitely in the front, definitely front, running. <laughs> front runner for sure. Did anything stand out for you in terms of a key takeaway? Yeah, I know. The thing about uh, the ROI that she was talking about, about the cost of doing nothing or the risk of doing nothing and not investing in cybersecurity versus being proactive, which is the obvious other approach. Absolutely. No. How about for you? Well, for me, I think just the key takeaway was was how she was again talking about how to engage the board. That you don't want to disengage board, especially for if you have a larger company, uh, you don't want them to just go through the motions around cybersecurity. And I thought she laid out some really great strategies for making sure that the board is engaged. And that that keyword was engaged, engaged, and knowing what questions 
they should be asking. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, we really want to thank Joanna for taking time of her busy day to, to join us on the podcast. And as always, I want to thank our loyal listeners and viewers for carving out a few minutes of their day to spend time with us. Um, please be sure to subscribe to the Cybersecurity Matters podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and or on YouTube so you never miss a new episode. And if you feel so compelled, please do feel free to leave any feedback, good, bad, negative. Um, we just crave attention. Um, but until next time, be well and be safe. And we look forward to entertaining you once again on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast.